This is Pastor Mike from Jordan Lutheran Church, and you're about to hear one of our Sunday morning messages. At Jordan, we're passionate about learning from the Bible and pray that this message makes an impact in your life. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So next week, we are going to celebrate uh, Jesus' birth. Uh, and we're going to celebrate it with our family Christmas program. And I mentioned it at the start of the service. Uh, but it gets all the kids together, sharing scripture, and just kind of walking through uh, Luke 2 uh, to get us back into that text. Now, what I want you to consider as we just get a picture of that in our head, uh, when I say the, the word Bible people, what comes to mind? So when I think of Bible people, Bible characters, when you think of like the wise men, Mary, Joseph, uh, does anyone else come to mind when you think of Bible people? Daniel, Moses, Isaiah. Yeah, we get like Bible people. This idea that there are those, uh, that people are specifically there. Now, my question to you is when you think of Bible people and you think of those names that we just shared, do you consider them the type of person you could meet today at Food Lion, Harris Teeter, or Aldi? Yeah, some of you do. My suggestion, though, is that would not be a true picture for all people. Some people would take Bible characters and they'd make them feel like they're more like, well, I'll just I'll name a couple. They're more like Governor Cooper uh, or Tom Hanks, Warren Buffett, Henry Kissinger. Like, you know they exist, but the likelihood of you actually seeing them, now some of them are deceased, I, I, I get it. Uh, some could be gone or, or older or live in a different state. But my point is they're just not the person you'd think you'd run across at the grocery store. Because in the case of some of those who are governors and other uh, more important people, they're just too, they're too busy. They're too special. And you're like, well, they wouldn't do their own grocery shopping. I, I know. Now you're nitpicking it a little bit. Uh, but the point is, do you view these characters in the Bible, these Bible people, as someone who lived life? Or are they someone who was aloof and wasn't able to be uh, around you all the way? So how is it that we connect Bible characters to our lives? Or is there a disconnect? Some people would think that Paul, uh, as we look to our readings this morning, we got the pastoral letters. Paul's writing uh, to Timothy and to Titus. And if you've got your Bible, open up. We're going to be uh, in 1 Timothy to begin. So go to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Some people look at Paul and they say, you know, Paul was special. <laughs> you know, was Paul one of those, like, you might see him from a distance kind of guys? Or was Paul the type of guy, like we're saying, that you'd meet at Harris Teeter, at Aldi, that you'd see him at the grocery store, and you'd say, hey, Paul, and he'd look at you and say, there's a coupon on that item. Did you get it? Some of you are like, I never thought that about Paul. All right, all right, maybe you never thought about uh, Paul as clipping coupons. But here we go, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. We're looking to see how is it that Paul speaks uh, about himself. Because Paul, many times, is this Bible character who wrote so many books. We've been reading week and week and week and week and week about Paul's writings. First and Second Corinthians, First and Second Thessalonians, these letters to the Philippians, the Ephesians, the Colossians. And here we have it, 1 Timothy 1, 12 and 13. I thank him who has given me strength. We're looking to see what's Paul say about himself. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord. Because he judged me faithful appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted 
ignorantly in unbelief. This does not sound like a guy who's puffed up on himself. If you're puffed up on Paul, it's because you've either studied him a lot, read a lot, or you were looking at the table of contents and your name didn't appear in it. It's like you opened up the Bible table of contents and you went, hey, my name's not in there. I guess I'm not very important. See, sometimes we think about books, we wonder, uh, are we going to be in it or are we not? Uh, we had a, a book when I was a kid growing up. It was called uh, A Window in Time. And it was a, a story written by a, a local author about uh, growing up 45 minutes from Gettysburg. It's about s- sneaking through a window, but the window was actually in my hometown. So like every kid in town got a copy of the book by their parents for like Easter, Christmas, or a birthday. Because like finally history had met our town. Because we really want to know that we're part of the story. Because so often these things in life, we figure that you get to hear the story, but you're not actually in it. Like it, it, it happened, but you just get to be like either an innocent bystander or, or maybe it, it happens to brush past you, but you weren't actually the center of it. It's like being in a parade. Most of my childhood, I watched parades do what? I watched them go by. And then when you get in one, you're like, I finally did it. Remember as a kid when you desperately wanted to go to work to find out what your mom and dad were doing? Remember that? Yeah, the adults are laughing because you're going, why did we want to find that out? What, what is wrong with us? We were kids. It was great. We just want to see what's taking place. See, Paul knows in these two verses who he is and names himself humbly. And humbly lets us know how he got to where he was is because someone else moved him there. FDR, a very unique man uh, in history. Multiple terms as president, not just two, goes on to his third. uh, And certainly if his life had probably allowed, potentially could have made a fourth uh, as we look to see what's taking place. But one of the unique things, if you've ever read about FDR, uh, what you discover is uh, for him to become who he was, Uh, Who's that person that was next to him all the time that helped make sure he was all right? Eleanor, an amazing woman who was beside him. Uh, She knew very on uh, with some of the challenges that had faced him in life uh, and the complications uh, from illness that he had had that he was going to need support and others, and she was glad to provide that. And don't worry, that marriage had lots of unique aspects to it that you could unpack for days and months and years. But for him to rise where he was, Someone else helped him along the way. See, infrequently, does someone actually rise in life unaided? The question is, when you're aided, do you acknowledge that you actually received someone else's helping hand, or do you take all the credit? Do you just say, hey, I I did this myself? So it's fitting for us as we look to Paul, and we talk about Bible stories, and where do we fit or do we fit to find out how it is that Paul spoke and what he actually says of himself. Look at that closing line, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. This is not a guy who thinks that he's the top of the heap. Uh, This is Paul who will tell himself uh, that he's the chief of sinners. Chief of sinners. Now we continue in the text, move to verse 14 and 15, still there in chapter 1. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. 
The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost, chief of sinners though I be. He's the guy, but unfortunately, when you study Paul's writings week after week after week, you can get the impression that you're not like Paul. You can get the impression that Paul's up here and you're down a little bit lower. Uh, But as we wonder what that is, you can go right back to your seat, buddy. Uh, (laughs) So this is what I manage in the side for those who don't know it. I've got a a son who's just desperately wants me not to move. So I'll stay right here uh, this morning, right in my spot so that he is comfortable where he is. So (laughs) as, as we look to this and see what's taking place, Paul knew who he was at all times in Bible stories. And we have to remember that ourselves. Uh, And that if you want to look at Bible stories correctly, we can't tame them. Too many times in church, we tame sin. And we make it something that we understand by just calling this huge thing, sin, and God fixed it. But when you tame it so much that you make it seem mild, we can get the impression if I just work harder, then I can do something. If I just do a few more activities, if we spend a little bit more money, then the company will improve. If I just... You fill in the blank, life will get better. Because again, it's just sin, right? I mean, we see Christ conquers it all the time, so it must just be this simple thing. You just apply the right salve, and then you're ready to go. But Paul says no. Paul says that's not how this works. Paul says, I'm a broken guy, and the only reason I can speak to you is because Christ made me the least important person of all, someone who could rise higher. Paul wants you to hear from the beginning, he's down here, and if you've got him up here, make sure you know it's only because of Christ. Don't make it because of Saul of Tarsus, his name before his conversion on the road to Damascus. Don't make it because somehow he had studied and he had more learning and he had more diplomas and more degrees. No, not at all. It's only because of Christ. He was a trained scholar who prior to his experience on the road to Damascus would have likely stayed in Jerusalem his entire life and probably influenced a generation of thinkers. I don't know if you ever thought about what would happen if there had never been a conversion experience. Now, I'm not suggesting that God wouldn't have worked through someone else. I'm just sure. Realize the position and trajectory this man had in his life. He would have been a scholar that all of Jerusalem would have said, hey, which do you have Next week when you're at temple, yeah, Saul's the one who's going to be there. Really? Saul's going to, that's awesome. I mean, he had this wonderful aura about him in the religious world that was Jerusalem. And if you wanted to be a Jew, the center of being the center of all things was Jerusalem. Paul's trajectory was to the roof and beyond. But he realized that wasn't actually what he should have been focused on. There was something else that he should have been focused on. And that's where we actually get the text taking us. Verse 16, 1 Timothy 1.16, But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, <laughs> remember what the foremost refers to? <laughs> Chief of sinners. Yeah, see, we're referring back to verse 15. Me as the foremost, meaning me the worst sinner of all, but I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. You don't know the power of God unless you know where Saul of Tarsus began. You see, when he writes to Timothy, he wants him to realize, I'm a blasphemer, I was a persecutor, I was insolent, I was unbelieving. You've got to know that. 
You've got to know, because if not, you'll think that God just worked with this wonderful, teached, learned rabbi, scholar of Jerusalem who already had it all together. No, no, no. He had none of it together. He was completely misunderstood, didn't understand the promise, didn't understand what Christ was, who was going to fill it, how that was going to work. He didn't have any of that. But Christ worked it patiently through someone who had a very different impression. Do you remember how you thought about the world when you were 12? And then how you thought about the world when you were 20? Then how you thought about it when you were 30? And then 50? And then 70? And now 90? It changes. Uh, The world has a way of, well, causing us to think a little bit differently and know what's taking place. Yet God selected Paul have an influence beyond his wildest dreams imagine he went from thinking jerusalem was the center where does paul go all across asia goes into europe travels thousands of miles on foot sets up churches sets up whole new communities and missionary places and he's doing all of that all of that as he's moving forward and then he says this verse 17 to the king of the ages immortal invisible the only god be honor and glory forever and ever amen This is a guy who understood Paul's not the story. So when you think Bible story, don't say, oh, finally, here it is. We've got Paul. He's my Bible story. No, the Bible story is Christ. Always has been. Paul's just pointing you in that direction, but realize Paul was a vessel who had lots of failings. And when you see that, things look a little bit different. It's all about God. It's not simply about God us it's god for us it's god in us but not just us so we're the vessels that god uses let's move to chapter two and i want to take you then what happens in his second letter as he writes see the paul's life he goes from this man who went out thinking he had all the answers to recognize he didn't but the answers came in christ and then he begins at the first and he says this in chapter Two of First Timothy. He says, first of all, then I urge supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. I looked at this text a little bit uh, in Bible class this morning and want us to review it again here. It says we should be praying for all people. And then he goes on to name it uh, because sometimes all people isn't explicit enough. Because uh, if you just say all, we all get off the hook, right? Are you doing all the things your parents ask? And most of you would say yes. Remember when your teacher asked that? Did you do all your homework? Come on, what'd you guys say? Yes. Anyone have a teacher who normally only graded odd or even questions and flipped days on what they graded? I did. And I remember calculating many times at home, you know when they spot check homework, if you just do the odds or the evens and scribble on the others, sometimes you, come on. (laughs) You guys look at me like I'm the bad student here. I guess in some ways I am. Uh, But yeah, I just guessed. I'm like, all right, it was evens yesterday, so today it's going to be odds. And in your math textbook, where were the answers? In the back, but only for the odds. So you were halfway home to your homework, right? (laughs) Some of you are like, really, the answers were in the back? Why did I not know this? I'm sorry. (laughs) I guess. I should have told you, like leaned over, hey, Sally, they're in the back. But not to show the work, just the answer. So if you had the teacher that needed to show the work, you were on your own for that. But as we move through it, it's this question, 
Are you praying for all, verse 2, for the kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet and godly and dignified life? So what I asked a Bible class was, do you, should you pray for all people? And everyone said, yes. And then I asked you, are you praying for Donald Trump? Are you praying for Mitch McConnell? Are you praying for Nancy Pelosi? You see, at some point you hit to someone that isn't on your comfort list. It's pray for all, but look at verse 2. Pray for them all that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life. Don't just pray for the one you want to pray for. Everybody praying for Vladimir Putin? Now, some of you will say yes, and I just want to throw it out there. When you say yes, did you literally pray for all these people in the past week, or is it something where you say, and all world leaders? See, there's a difference, and I'm not trying to say that someone isn't. I'm just saying there's a difference between saying, Lord, be with authorities, and actually saying, Lord, be with the named leaders of our President Donald Trump, our Vice President Michael Pence, be with Nancy Pelosi, be with Mitch McConnell, be with these people. Because honestly, right now, they could use the prayer. Because it's disgusting what our leaders are doing because we're better than what they're doing. We really are. I don't care what party you're on. So if you're like, oh, he's getting political. <laughs> Some of you are like scared. You're like holding on to your seat. Here we go. He's done so well. No. What I'm sharing with you is you've got to pray differently to realize God alone will be able to correct a ship that just gets crazy. And if you wonder if we've ever been through weird things before, go read some history. Just go read it, man. The news is convincing you that we've never been through problems before because the news doesn't want you to know we had problems last year, the year before, the decade before that, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 150. I mean, just we've always had it. But realize we're invited to do something different. And here's why. Look at verse 3. Pray for them all. Pray for the kings. Pray for the authorities. Name them. And then look what Paul does. He says, this is good. This is good, and it's pleasing in the sight of God. Not because, well, if I pray for them, they will obviously do what I want. Those of you who have prayed enough in your lives, you start to realize prayer isn't about making God do what you want. It is about being conformed to what God is doing through people. He is changing us to be in line with his will. Prayer is not, God, here is the will. Make it yours. Sometimes our prayers start that way, though, right? Remember being a kid with this season of Christmas coming up? Lord, please give me the following items for Christmas. You may work through Santa, parents, neighbors, anonymous, whoever you need. You may work through them all, but here is the list. <laughs> See, what's weird is you're laughing louder, which means you did that. You didn't know about the answers in the back of your math textbook, but this one about anyone can bring you any gift. You guys were on board for that. This is good, and it's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge, to the truth, to the knowledge of the truth. See, this praying for all people is because it matters, because God actually wants everyone to know what's going on. The text gets even more impressive, because it reminds you if you're praying for all people and pointing to God, guess what? Not a single politician will ever make you right with God. Not a one. Not a one. I challenge you to not watch the news. I challenge you. I'm serious. 
Could you not watch the news and the next time you hear impeachment, not impeachment, shut it off? It will not fix you. It won't. I don't care if the vote is up or down. And I'm not trying to get into it. What matters is what God's actually saying. For there's one God, there's one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. Now, the last time I left, we have never elected Jesus Christ to our Congress. Now, a couple of you have probably tried writing. You're like, we'll see. You know, nothing in the book of Revelation says, like, if you voted him in, that, like, somehow he'd come back. Like, well, they told me I had to serve. I mean, I have to show up. I'm not trying to be euphemistic. I'm just sure. No. There is one God, there's one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. Remember who the all is? <laughs> all the rulers, all the authorities, all the politicians, all those that we thought were going to fix it all? Paul's trying to remind Timothy, God's got this if you just give it to him. But we refuse to give things to God because we're convinced that tomorrow somehow they're going to fix it all. Now, how many of you thought it was going to be fixed back in the 60s? And then you were going to fix it in the 70s. But then the 80s, we definitely fixed it. I mean, you see where it goes, right? Like every decade thought they were going to fix it. Now, this is the joy of realizing America's youth coming up. You need people who think they can fix it, because if not, we're all going to be doing what all day? Oh, man, it's 2020. We'll never make it. No. Hope springs eternal, but hope doesn't spring eternal for me in Washington, D.C., Hope sprung eternal for me out of a tomb because Christ left the three-day prison and he rose just as he said. For this, for this I was appointed a preacher. That's what Paul was, this is why. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I'm telling the truth, I'm not lying. Isn't it great? I love when the Bible does these little like footnotes like in case someone reading it or like Timothy's like, so are you serious about this? Yes, I'm serious. Actually, puts in a little sidebar. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. And that faith has an object. The object is Christ. Your faith has an object. The reality that Jesus came and lived and died and rose. It's a historic reality. This is the joy of Christ. You can actually look in history and know he existed and there is early corroborating evidence outside of the Bible that this person named Jesus rose and Roman officials were like, what do we do about that? And I mean outside of the Bible. It's amazing. So my question ends with where I began. Are you like Paul? Are you a Bible character? And here's what I want you to consider. Your moment. Your moment in time in your life. As you sit and breathe here every single moment, you've been given life. It's a gift. Every one of you. You may have a different perspective as to what your life looks like today or what you thought it was going to be or what it, but you have a gift right now. And you have been uniquely brought to this day with experiences and realities that no one else has. Do you realize that? There, is, there really is no one like you. And I don't, I mean, if I could name each one of you individually, somewhere around naming like the 85th person, you guys would be like, we get it. So just trust me, I mean it about every single one of you. Child, adult, in between. Every one of you. There's no one like you. And in his unique experiences, God has opened a doorway for you to see infinitely more than you could ever imagine if you just start taking advantage of the gift God has given you. 
Because God can use you to express Christ-like love to others. Remember what Paul started out with? He was a blasphemer, a persecutor, a problem, a trouble, all those things. For this I was appointed. He was appointed to speak of Christ. And being in church today, being here, being where you are, imagine what God is doing because you're here. I don't know if you think about that. God is building on you right now a foundation that may be used today, tomorrow, or in the years to come. And here's what I mean. Think about the son or the daughter which you may have or in the future may have or a son or daughter who lives somewhere else who will look at your faithfulness to God and see in that faithfulness building block of what it is to be Christ that God uses people just like you and me. See, in, in the other letters that follow, we get Paul talking about the, the joy of giving thanks to Eunice and Lois, those who helped raise up others in the faith. And I, I've got some great women in my family, the shoulders of whom I give thanks to God that he used those women to help in my life for where I am. And a lot of those women weren't even in my family, <laughs> but they were in my family of faith. And they shaped me and formed me. But I had to realize being a Bible character isn't about being named Paul or Moses or Elijah. You're a Bible character because God actually wrote your name in the book of life on the day that he named you as his own in the waters of baptism and cleansed you through saving faith. See, you are a Bible character right now. You don't have to wait to meet Moses and Elijah. You're in the Bible. For whatever reason, as Christians, we believe that somehow the book is what? not open sometimes we think the book is it's closed i mean jesus there i mean it's over revelation i've read the end of the book ladies and gentlemen you are right now living in what you are living get ready for this in biblical times but we say weird things like well you know back in bible times when does the bible ever say that you are not following christ does it ever say that in the year 52 we will end all things bible it doesn't exist the joy is you are walking in Christ today. You are a Bible character. It is time for us to let Paul and the other writers in Scripture remind us we are in Bible times and we are Bible characters because God is in us. He is working through us because God has grafted you into his family by his grace. In Christ's name, we give all honor, glory, and love. Amen. We're glad you've connected with us online and look forward to the opportunity to see you in person. On behalf of everyone at Jordan, we hope you will join us as we gather in worship of our Savior, Jesus Christ, every Sunday morning at 930 at Beaver Creek Cinemas in the peak of good living, Apex, North Carolina.